0: We have been in this impact project really since the beginning of February. And uh, next week, of course, is Palm Sunday, so we'll be having communion. And we'll be talking about (laughs) the events of that week. Easter Sunday, we'll be talking resurrection. Three weeks from today, we are going to roll into, kind of back into, you know, I would say it's our bread and butter. It's what I love to do, I think, as a church, what we love to do. And that's an expository Bible preaching. We're going to take a little book. It's called Jude. It's that last page before you get to Revelation, right? One chapter. And Jude's very, it's very interesting because he said, I, I wanted to write about our common faith. But what I'm really writing to you about, because there's so many false teachers and so much false doctrines, how to contend for the faith. And I thought, man, if there's not a book that's appropriate for today, it's the book of Jude. So we're going to take that, and that'll take us into early summer. And then we'll, we'll, we've got a kind of a neat series, I think, uh, out of the Old Testament for the summer I think you're really going to enjoy. So just really want to encourage you about that. But today is kind of the day where we we kind of, we called it our Celebration Sunday because we've been talking about the Impact Project. And in case you haven't been here, just let me tell you, we've been talking as a church about, first of all, what God has called us to do. So first thing we all know is God's called us to make disciples. And for us, that means reaching this West Valley. We have 185,000 people. It's going to grow to 230,000 by 2030 that are within five miles of our church, many of whom, not most of whom, need the Lord. Uh, God's called us to raise up next generation of church leaders. He's called us specifically to go plant churches and send those leaders out, to send missionaries both here, all of us living on mission and abroad. And a few years ago, as we started running out of space in our our services, our elders began to pray and go, okay, so what's our next step? We had some churches to launch, they were on the docket. But for us here, reaching our community— we have 10 acres sitting here and we started looking at how can we develop this so that it's it's the best platform that we have to reach our community as effectively as possible to plant churches to raise up next generations. And so a plan was developed about what that looks like. We put it into three phases that we've been talking about. Phase one is going out this side of the building adding 9,000 square feet for educational space and youth space which we have a desperate need of right now. Uh, It's nearly doubling our parking, doing some of that type of thing. Phase two then would be to go, our pavilions out there if you went just to the west or to the right of our pavilion, it would be to add another room like this, multi-purpose, used every day of the week, but would be for worship and built that way. So, you know, for the the sound, the aesthetics, and even now as we get into summer, we're reminded that the way that this thing is air-conditioned, there are hot spots, there are cold spots. Um, and so, by the way, if, yeah, it's too hot, too cold, just move to another seat, you'll probably now feel the other Uh, but something that's actually designed and built for that phase three then would be to come back here take some of this space also make it educational space we'd probably live with this for a while to see how much we need but we could ultimately take 25 percent of this room this room now becomes a fellowship hall a big space and all of that of course there's there's finances to that so phase one, the bump out, all the infrastructure for the other two phases, uh, the parking, the bathrooms, all of that, $3 million. The auditorium space, an additional five. So we kind of set that second goal of, of, of $8 million. And of course, you want to know my heart, uh, is first of all, our, our commitment is, is that we are going to do this without adding any more long-term debt right? Because we still have an existing debt of about $4 million. And so kind of the God dream goal is $12 million. So we get it all done, and then we get that debt paid off, and then everything we have can go towards the, the mission piece of what God has called us to do. And uh, so we, we've been talking about that since the beginning of February. A couple weekends ago, uh, we, we rolled out this idea of Asking our church to prayerfully consider over the next three years what you can give over and above as a household, your regular giving, over three-year time to let us know so that we could, could make the plans of where to go. And uh, people begin to pledge. And I am, I'm thrilled to announce that we're just two weeks into this, not even 14 days that already, as of yesterday... Uh, Two million five hundred and thirty thousand dollars has been pledged. So, isn't that incredible? Yeah, I'm 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 just thrilled. Uh, and with that, I mean so much so, and the elders are very confident that that last uh, four hundred and seventy will come in. That we are moving ahead with phase one, uh, those steps. And again, if for some reason it wouldn't, the, you know come in, we're we're not gonna we're not gonna borrow to finish it. We're, we'll you know, we'll cut back the scope, we'll do whatever, but we're very confident it's going to come in. And, and to me, you know, people have asked me, Steve, pledge drive, right? What are your expectations of how it'll come in and how much? And, I, and I've just been honest with people, I, I really have no expectations. I've never done this before, right? Uh, 26 years, this is the first time and I will tell you, as I've been looking at the numbers, and I don't, I don't know what anybody in our church gives. I don't know what anybody in our church pledges other than Tammy and I. But I, what I will tell you is just looking at the numbers, what has absolutely astonished me, and, and it's just been incredible, is you know, some obviously can give more than others, but everybody who's made a pledge of doing that is that the average has been a little over $11,000 per pledge so that's if you do the math that's a little over $3,600 a year a little over $300 a month uh it, it's amazing I, I never expected because you start doing the math that to me was just um uh, I wasn't expecting that and it just to me speaks to your generosity uh and and the heart of people to give and uh And and so because of that, I just wanted to celebrate today. So I'm going to give you a heads up. We're going to get out of here early today. We're going to go outside. We got Rudy's breakfast burritos. We just want to have a time of fellowship and encouragement and uh, kind of get back to normal. And, you know, we prayed that they would be calorie free. I'm not sure God answered that one. But we, we we just wanted to celebrate and say, thank you, Lord. I mean, that's just two weeks in and we're almost to that first goal. I do want to tell you, though, there's been one, and I've been looking for the right word, and I, and this probably isn't it, it, but it's the closest I can come to just, you know, being honest with, with where I've been, there has been one piece of frustration in this to me. Uh, because one of the things that we've really wanted is for the entire church. I mean, we've been talking about faith and as a community doing this together and realizing that, you know, every gift, whether it's small or large, God takes, you know, God uses. But we all wanted to be a part. Um, And and part of the thing that probably has frustrated me a little bit is that at $2,530,000, that only represents 35% of the households who normally and regularly give to our church. 35%. So I'm a math guy, right? And I did the thing, okay, so if, if everybody actually pledged and we kept the same percentage, you know where that puts us? Like 7.66 million dollars. We're almost to the, the thing. And and again, I would imagine that the, the, the number, to me that's not what's important. What's important is that we're all apart. And now I, I, you know, again, I understand Desert Springs. I've been here 26 years. It may have something to do with me, right? Uh, but we are a late arriving church right yeah this 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 service it's really fun i'm sitting over there at 9:30 go man is anybody going to show up and then i look around good you all showed up it's great right that's my dad always said man desert springs will be late to the rapture i mean it, we're, we're last minute i mean think about how many of you really didn't even sign up and register for services right it's just it's just who we are and so i know that there's that i know there's been school break time and i know it's some of you are still praying about it and the reality is there's some of you that just may be in that season of life where honestly you just can't give anything more and and you know because you're just you're you're fighting with debt and you're just in that point of life and I get that and I don't ever want to put pressure on you to do that. In fact, if you're in that place, here's the thing that I would tell you. A, a ministry that we offer here at Desert Springs, we've offered for years is called Financial Peace University. It's a great class. Dave Ramsey, how to get on, t- you know, your Deal with your finances in a biblical way, a godly way. Many of us have taken it, and it's been so helpful. And so if you're there, here's the thing. I want you to take FPU, and we will pay for it. I mean, we, we just believe that this is such a great thing. So they'll offer class. You sign up. You tell the coordinator. Steve said the church will pay for it. We'll do that, right? We want to help you get to that point where you have the freedom to be able to do, I know what your heart wants you to do. And so for some of you who are still praying about it, we encourage you, think about the the pledge. You know, honestly, if, you know, uh, so we have about 675, about 230 have pledged. The other 425 households just even did $10 a week. Uh, You know, it comes up to a little over $1,500. We would be well over the $3 million mark. Would you prayerfully consider? So we've got the, uh, the, you know, the places in the back. You can do it online. But uh, we just really believe very confidently that God is going to provide and bring it in and we're going to move on. And so it brings me to this morning, right? I'm excited. I'm encouraged. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. We've been talking about this as a faith journey We've been telling some stories of the church. We've been telling some stories out of the Old Testament as to how God has taken people on journeys of faith. And my question goes, you know, what I was struggling with on vacation is, so is there a story of faith that kind of mimics where we are? Where we're we're kind of past go because we started a Pledge Drive. Many of you have, have already made that commitment uh, but we're not quite ready to, to, you know, there's there's no moving trucks out there yet, right? There's no, there's no uh, land, dirt being moved and, and all of that. And my mind went to this passage in Joshua chapter 3. And I've called it anticipation faith. So the children of Israel, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to look at verse 5, actually. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. The children of Israel have been for 40 years been wandering around the wilderness god brought them out of egypt through great miracles he split the red sea now they've been wandering around now they are on the plains of moab just across the 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 jordan river so if you ever get to go to israel it's such a cool sight you're driving down the west bank or maybe there in Jericho, you can see where the Jordan River is because it's all green. And you look on the other side. That's the plains of Moab. That's Mount Nebo that sits there where where, uh, Moses went up, looked into the land, and then God took him home. Right? So here they are. They're in the plains of Moab. Moses is dead. Joshua is standing up. They're about ready to go into the land. So again, the journey is started, but this is new, and here's the thing that you've got to understand is that this is a way different crowd that Joshua is talking to than the ones who Moses talked to 40 years ago. In fact, there is nobody that Joshua is talking to other than Caleb who is more than 58 years of age. You say, "Well, how do you know that? Well? Forty years before, they came up out of Egypt. God took them to Mount Sinai, gave them the law. Two years later, he took them to Kadesh Barnea, which is down south. They were supposed to go in. They rebelled. And they said, no, you know, our children are going to become slaves, and God said, so we're not going to go in. And God said, okay, uh, because you don't trust me, we're going to wander around in the wilderness to everybody who's 20 years of age has died. And these children who you said will become slaves, they're going to go in. They're going to inhabit the land. So here we are, 38 years later, every one of them, except Joshua and Caleb, the two who had stood there in faith, had passed away. This is a young crowd. So, so think about it. Some of them, as teenagers, saw the miracles to get them out of Egypt. Some of them, as teenagers, walked through the Red Sea. But the great majority of them, those were just stories. Most of the people that Joshua is talking to have never lived in a house. A, a place with you know sides and a, and a roof they've only lived in tents because that's all their life they've been they never planted and harvested because they just have had manna right and they're always on the move and so now they're going as land flowing with milk and honey what does that even mean where you're going to have vineyards this is all new to them And so that's the background of Joshua chapter 3. And if you look at verse 5, they're just about ready to go. And Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The word consecrate there has the idea to sanctify, to prepare, to set yourself apart unto God. This this is this moment where they are going to see God do great things. This is anticipation faith. Because they somehow got to get across the Jordan. It's it's the rainy season, the flooding season of that time. They can look over and see the walls of Jericho. That's gonna be their first. They have no idea. And so what Joshua said, you're gonna see great things. Miracles are happening, this new season of life, but you need to consecrate yourself. You need to prepare. And as I was thinking about it, there were eight things that came to mind. And I was on vacation. There's a freshness that comes with vacation, right? So I don't typically do this. They all start with the letter A. There you go. For those of you that like that, eight things that I briefly want to share with you that we've got to do, I think, in preparation for this new season. Because I've told the old stories. I've told the stories. Some of you were here. Most of you weren't these are the things that God is going to be doing now so the first thing is the word adore and that is we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus folk he's got to be the focus I've mentioned often through the years that the most difficult time for a church to keep their eyes on Jesus are when things are going good when things are, are, are really rolling. Because when things are not going good, you're kind of desperate. You're on your knees. You're asking God for provision. But when things are going good and people are coming and people are growing and buildings start going, it's really easy somehow to think that, you know, God's blessing would just be there because instead of seeking him keeping him the focus and then then pride can well up and look at our buildings and look at us and look at our legacy and folk it's never it cannot be about it cannot be about buildings it cannot be about legacy it can't be about oh desert springs it's got to be about jesus And the moment you get your eye, Father Jesus, man, stuff happens. The enemy is trying to do that. In fact, think about this. So the children of Israel go. They walk around Jericho 13 times. God brings the walls down. And there's one guy who gets distracted by the shiny stuff. His name's Achan, right? He brings a huge defeat upon the children of Israel. Because he got his eyes on the wrong stuff. You get into a building thing. You get into a... A pledge piece, man. You start getting your eyes on the wrong stuff. Get your eyes off of Jesus. It's exactly what the enemy wants to do. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Folk, th- this has got to be about Him. It's about His kingdom, His glory. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Second word is ask. You gotta pray diligently. Folk, if there's ever a time as a church that we've needed prayer, it's now. Because if you somehow have the idea that, oh, look at this, right? We're just about ready to pass that first goal. We're moving towards the second goal. And uh, and by the way, if more comes in the three million, we're just going to set it aside until we have enough to go and do phase two, right? So it, it can continue to grow and, and continue to do. And if you think that somehow Satan's going to look at that and go, man, that one's lost. They were already there. I'm just going to leave them, right? You, you, you're deceived, The enemy doesn't like things happening for the kingdom of God. I don't have time this morning to tell you, but the elders know, Tammy knows, even what's been going on in my own heart since we started this thing in life. The enemy is there, so if there's ever a time we needed to pray as a church, it's it's now. If there's ever a time that you needed to pray for your elders, quite honestly, if there's ever a time that you needed to pray for me, It's now that we would keep our eyes on Jesus, that we would walk focused on Him. Ask. The third word is apply. And that is we have to live in obedience to the Word of God. You know, one of the things that that we are is we are a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church. That's who we are. The problem is that sometimes we, we... we look at that and and that again lifts pride in our heart we get all of this knowledge we we grow in our knowledge of these things and you know we're going to talk about false teachings and false teachers we get into Jude and we're so thankful we're not that but the problem is is that we don't live in light of the scripture that God has given us And we become proud and boastful. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Because there's times in my life, just like there's times in your life where the word of God cuts, right? It's reproving, it's rebuking us. God's wanting to, and our flesh doesn't want that. And sometimes it's just easy to kind of go at this point and say, you know, we want to go our own way. I was thinking about this study coming up in Jude and thinking, you remember what the where the first false teaching kind of came from back in Genesis 3? It came from the question, has God really said? Did God really say? Did God really say? You know what the the false teaching of today is? This has it been for the last thousands and thousands of years? It's that same question, did God really say? We come to God's word. There's something there we don't really like. It doesn't kind of fit with our did God really say? Now, we have to live in obedience to the word of God. Fourthly, uh, we, we got to afford, right? We got to give sacrificially. You know, the reality is, for for some of you, uh, you know, there's a, there's a joy in taking that step of, of making a pledge and saying by God's grace. And again, it's not a contract, right? Uh, none of us knows what tomorrow holds, but by the grace of God, this is what we plan to do and we believe God will allow us to do. It. And that's one thing. And then it's another thing to live it out over the next three years. I mean, it's kind of funny. So Tammy and I uh, we we actually started processing this a year ago, right? Because that we thought you know pre-COVID uh, we were we we're gonna do it then, and and God put a number on our hearts which was way beyond anything we'd ever done. We'd be fought beyond anything we really thought we could do in a, in a three year period of time, but that's what we felt God was leading us to do. And so we knew we were coming into the season. So, end of January, first of February, you know, I'm just kind of circling back around, right? Because, you know, life happens. And do we still think? This is this what God's telling us to do? And I wanted to firm it up then. And, and we said, yes, right? And I'd love to tell you that everything has been, you know, butterflies and roses since then, but the reality is uh, we had an unexpected surgery right if any of you had to deal with high deductibles before and then uh, and I'm not assigning blame to anyone but I was working with my tax guy on my taxes this year and found out that we actually uh, uh, misappropriated something last year so last year taxes were wrong so I had to go back and not only refile, but repay there, then that also meant that I didn't put enough aside for this year. I just got tattooed. And I'm so thankful this is a three-year commitment, right? Because we're going to make it up. It's hard. Life happens. Uh, You know, it takes sacrifice to be able to give. Uh, Number five is the word attach. Attach. You know, one of the things, if, if COVID has done damage, and it's certainly, obviously, people's lives have been affected, the one place where I don't know that we talk enough about is that it has led so many into isolation. Church is about a community. And one of the things that, again, it's grieved my heart a little bit is even on online things and, and, and connect groups, is just the, the numbers have gone down. Uh, we've almost gotten comfortable in our isolation and think it's okay. It's not a healthy place to be. Some of you have started coming this last year. It's time to join. It's time to get involved. It's time to, to, to commit. It's, it's time to, again, some of you are watching online. And again, I, I understand for some health reasons are going to have to do this online. I get that. We're providing that. But for others of you, th- there needs to be the, the time to come back. And to get into relationships, to begin to invest those pieces, uh, w- which are really important. i got to hurry. Acquire. What I mean by acquire is this, is that as a church, we talked about philosophy that as a church, we see my I see my job, the staff's job, to equip you to go out there and live on mission. And we have provided you know training in evangelism, and we provide provided FPU training, we provided ministry training. It, it's time to take that training to go. We got Bible study classes to learn to grow so that we can better live on mission. Take the time to be able to do that. N- number seven is to act, it's time to serve. Can I tell you, something happened, and I don't know if it was the uncertainty of covid that came out of the blue or if it's just become the excuse can I tell you the number one problem that every church that I talk to and I would even make this blanket statement because I think I'm pretty plugged in I think almost every church in America is facing right now you know the hardest thing about getting back to quote unquote normal is we don't have we don't have the volunteers people again whether it's just I don't want to make a commitment I can't do. And, you know, COVID just really threw that off in my life. Or it's just become the, the easy excuse right now. I think that's part of what's even happened with our pledge. People just don't want to make a commitment. So, you know, we got greeters. We need greeters, right? It's been hard during COVID. And so many have stepped away, which is fine. But now it's making it a commitment. My heart is just heavy. And I know your heart would be heavy too. Because I know who we are as a church, that we want to love on people. But I got an email a couple weeks ago from a couple that have come to, they're thinking about moving here from Albuquerque. They actually work on their greeting team. They loved our covered parking. We parked where your visitor parking. But he says, you know, we came into your church, we were in the service, we left, nobody greeted us. Yeah, and I know all of us go, "Ah." but I can't get around, you can't get around. That's why we, we have people on the greeting teams that are there, right? That's, that's their thing, man. They're looking for new people to greet them and love them. Uh, the hardest thing for us right now opening children's ministry up is, is, is we need people that will come and work. We need teachers that will re-engage. We need new people to step in. It's just, it's time for the service. The last piece then it probably sums it all up. It's the word advance. We just got to advance the gospel. I was thinking about this. You know, the country that you and I were born in is different today, right? I think we all see that. Some, some might be excited where it's going. Some might be disappointed. It's just a different country. It's going to be a different country in five years. All I know is this. The people that came out of Egypt were not the same people God led into the the promised land. The people that God led into the promised land, God had built in that group some real warriors because they God was going to use them. I believe, you know, this this isn't what it was twenty years ago and forty years ago, but that you and I are here not by accident but by God's design. God has you and I here for this day, for this day in America. That as our world gets darker, that we can shine brighter. That as our world gets colder to the things of God, that we can be a fire. That God will use to draw people to himself. That we are his people for today. And his word from Joshua was, consecrate yourself. And in my thoughts, these are these eight things that we need to do for the day that lies before us.